the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. As we head into Hour 2, it is a delight to check in with my man. He represents Arizona's 6th Congressional District. He is Representative David Schweikert. Easy to follow on Twitter. It's the easiest handle, I think, in all of Twitter. At Rep. David. At Rep. David. Let's let's have an honest moment here. Okay. How many conservatives really use Twitter? Well, it's a great question. uh, Let me put it to my audience. But I use it. Yeah. I use it mostly for news. Do you use it for news? Nope. Um, I, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. We use it to put out certain statements. No, I'm glad you do, and, though. And but um, I, I've grown to believe Twitter is um, a cesspool. No, it, can, it it is, David. But I I have done a thing where I just isolate and follow only things that I'm interested in, and I I do I anyway. Okay. <laughs> For the lefties out there that are on Twitter and want to know the truth, at Rep David. How's that? Is that? <laughs> how's that? Yeah. Uh, uh, now, how, a question: How long have you been in the valley? I was. My family moved here in the '30s. And I was born and raised here, left after high school, and came back 10 years ago. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What high school? Uh-oh is right. Uh, we were your rivals, I think. I was a titan at Arcadia. Okay. I'm okay with Arcadia. It's, you know, it's, I went to Saguaro. Yeah, yeah. If you were Chaparral, um, we'd have a problem. Well, my problem is my little brother went to Chaparral and I went to Saguaro. <laughs> your so, brother and I uh, have I'm, a problem. I'm class, yeah, I'm, believe it or not, I'm class of 1980. <laughs> and... So you still have these two older guys who still go to the football game. There you go. Um, to rival, as rivals. There you go. But you see, isn't it nice you can have something semi-normal in a conversation that doesn't necessarily turn us all into being enraged? Well, it's Even interesting right you mentioned football. When- it's interesting you mentioned football because at the professional level, I was shocked and slacked jawed when I saw how political some of these athletic associations well, went. I, I can't watch pro football right, anymore. Right, right. No, my producer won't my either. I he loved it. I, I can't watch. But, but there, there was a reason for, for this non sequitur. Yes, sir. Um, what happens when almost everything in our life is weaponized and politicized? And we've been saying this for a while. Um, and, and now I think you're starting to finally truly see it. So. I think oh, it's a sick society. Girl, I, girl, I'll send it to you after me. the show because I can't think of it uh, explicitly right now, but you'll like it, David. There's a speech C.S. Lewis gave in the 30s where he talked about a society that only talks politics as a sick society, and I'll get it to you. He said politics should be spoken about like medicine, things that fix you. If you're constantly talking about it, you're probably sick. Uh, it's yeah, interesting. No, no, send, send that to me. And I will. the distraction, my – Little girl just found a tiny, tiny, tiny little scorpion. Um, well, the tinier, so, the more lethal. So tell her to yeah, kill yeah, it. Yeah, it. It's already dead. It's, Go Old but, Testament on that thing, Olivia. But <laughs> okay, so back up. Okay. Um, you, you start to think about what's going on on the January sixth commission, and now they're going to start 
collecting phone calls and these things from fellow members of Congress. We already know many of us have trackers that follow us around and film us and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, speakers said she would you know, have the um, Capitol Police arrest members of our staff if they ever um, go in the hallway without wearing a mask. You start to think about just the layers and layers of what's happened to our society. Mm-hmm. And I will partially make the argument that this is what happens when the left takes power. The left sees the world through a lens of envy and rage, and politics is sort of their opioid of, of how they're going to address it. David, there are things that shouldn't be political, and you're right to point that out. We used to think about the way some of us entertained ourselves responsibly in athletic sports. It's good that there are apolitical or non-political um, arenas in life. They've become uh, increasingly hard to find, but one thing we do is um, we mourn as a nation when it's time to mourn. And I just wanted to point out, you did an amazingly uh, noble and good thing by helping uh, sponsor this bill to award congressional gold medals to fallen service members. Do you want to say something about it? Because I got to tell you, starting a week ago, most Americans just didn't know what to do or say. Yeah, but I I hate it still feels too early. Okay. Um, Look, uh, there's only so many things you can do other than, than, than feeling crappy. Um, lighting a candle, saying a prayer, doing, you know, whatever your faith tradition is. Um, Congress, we can we can extend some medals. We can do some recognition for the sacrifice of the individuals and the families. And that's just only the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's going to be some really important things we have to get our heads around. Uh, what happens when the political class is now running our military. And and there's a difference between leadership class and political class, because we know the political class has taken over the State Department. And this debacle that we've lived through the last couple weeks is is a State Department debacle. Wow, my little girl just found another baby scorpion. You've got bigger problems than a curious little girl when she... (laughs) I mean, well, they're, they're they're dead. Okay. well, we've had a scorpion problem all this year. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm talking to you, and every couple moments she comes and yanks on me and grabs my hand. I understand. She the understands room. the distinction between critical and frivolous. You can talk to Leibson, or we can deal with the toxicity <laughs> in our own house. Right. No, I get it. I get it. I'm with her, kind of. <laughs> uh, David, um, that's right, though. But here, these things, these meaningful things touch the soul, and that's what you can do. We all ask, our, what, what can we do? You've done something helpful, and, and it'll, it'll help our country, I know. Thank you for, and, and for that, it. And that's the, the goal. Um, and something I will ask for everyone, if, if you know, you're at the restaurant and you see someone in a uniform, or you're getting on an airplane, you know, I, I have this every week when I'm flying back to D.C., mm-hmm. You see people in uniform. Just say thank you. Yep. yep. You know, or, at a or, minimum. Or at, at a, at a, at a minimum, the, right? No, just look yeah. in the eye and just nod your head. Yeah. Um, 
It means a lot. It does. They tell me it means a lot. Go a long way. Yeah, no, the cops tell me it means a lot too when I run into them at uh, at diners or restaurants or at coffee shops or even just parked on the street. They tell me it means a lot because the rest of the culture is telling them to go to hell. Well, see, I'm not sure it's the rest of the culture. Okay, the culture. It's the portion of the culture that has figured out how to monetize hate. Okay. And I'll, this is from a different that. show. Yeah. We, we should actually do this. Okay. But I actually believe the vast, vast majority of people in this country, the vast majority, are loving, caring, don't give a darn about someone's race or ethnicity or those things, uh, or even who you choose to cuddle with. We don't care. What we want is a society where, you know, uh, just don't be a jerk. And let me live my life. Let me follow my faith. You know, let, let me, you know, uh, do these things. And I, but I believe there's a small group out there that have figured out how to monetize this. Um, where, you know, they, they get the woke folks. I mean, I had an executive a couple of days ago from, I think it is Banner Hospital, mm-hmm. sent me a letter. And on the bottom, he said, my pronouns are. Mm. It's one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at what level of crazy have we reached? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but and, I believe and, and, a lot of this is folks who are trying to make money off of, you know, uh, uh, off of this hate. Yeah, it's, no, it's off of a industry. virtue signal. But there is so much money. Maybe you'll accept this point, David. There is so much money behind it and so much interest in it, and it's a multiplier force that it's important for those that don't believe that stuff or aren't inclined to believe that stuff to know they have allies and they're not alone. That's that's You would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's actually a couple interesting articles out there that talk about, like, the CNNs, the NBCs using algorithms mm-hmm. on the things they have to say to keep um, viewer retention. And a lot of those things are designed mm-hmm. to get your blood pressure boiling. You bet. And basically fill you with rage. You bet. Karl Marx we, called we, it a know, permanent revolution. Um, okay. well, All you have to, to say is okay. <laughs> yeah. But welcome yeah. to the society we're living in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's why I love you, brother. But you want to spend uh, next time we talk about this on the uh, the vested interest in this? I would love to. Let's spend Actually, let's spend I, a segment I would on it because yeah, because it really bothers a number of my conservative Good. brothers and sisters Good. when we realize how much of what's happening around us and how much of the destruction in our society and our country. It's actually a couple handfuls of people trying to make a profit off of it. Let, let's do that next week. Let's 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 expand on that. I, I, I would love to expose more of that point. I'd love to uh, do it with you, David. And does Olivia want to talk to the public about the like health scorpions? problems Olivia? at your house? Can you say hello? Hi. Hello. Olivia, did you find scorpions? Yes, she's nodding her hair. And as soon as I hang up, Daddy needs to go clean up their little carcasses now. Yeah, and sprinkle a little borax powder around the house. Okay, I've been using diatomaceous earth, but I'll find out about the It might be the same thing. (laughs) I said follow the science, whatever it tells you. God love you, sir. Thank you, brother. You take care. All right, David Schweikert, our guy. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508. 0960. We will be right back. Where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket and it's always the same place 
And then they act so surprised when I find them. But I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. <laughs> Welcome back to the Seth Leakson Show, 602-508-0960. Someone asked me the other day what my favorite, oh yeah, uh, yes, I remember who, asked me what my favorite Sinatra songs were. And I think they are One for My Baby, One for the Road, It Was a Very Good Year, and Send in the Clowns. Those three would be my top Sinatra songs. And I think all of them are in our bumper. I think. I think. I found the C.S. Lewis quote, by the way. It's been aired on this show before. The one I was talking about with David Schweikert, his point being that we used to have political free zones. In this country, we no longer do. I was talking about that with a friend the other day as well. But in any event, uh, C.S. Lewis said, the mistake is easily made. Let us not mistake necessary evils for goods. Okay? Think about that in the context of politics. Fruit has to be tinned if it's to be transported and has to lose, by, lose therefore, some of its good qualities, Lewis writes. But one meets people who have learned actually to prefer the tinned fruit to the fresh. A sick society must think much about politics, as a sick man must think much about his digestion. To ignore the subject may be fatal cowardice, for the one is for the other, but if either comes to regard it as the natural food of the mind, the constant, if either forgets that we think of such things only in order to be able to think of something else, then what was undertaken for the sake of health has become itself a new and deadly disease. I think that has afflicted this society as well. I think it's afflicted this society as well. You know where you saw it in academia now that I'm thinking about it? You get it with this notion of critical race theory. You get a little bit of this here. You know, in, 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 in the whole field of critical theory, critical race theory is but a part of the larger field of critical theory. Um, And what that applied to was pretty much every single discipline. Art, it started with art and literature. Fast came politics, then history, and then everything else. The humanities. All of the humanities were subject to a political lens starting in Europe in the 50s, maybe even earlier in the 40s, and then coming to America slowly in the 60s and fast in the 70s, so that every field, every field by the 80s was infused with politics. Art was no longer just art. History was no longer just history. Literature was no longer just literature. Everything had to be looked at through the lens of modern values 
and modern categories. You've often heard us, for example, talk about the – sometimes you've heard us talk about the Straussian school of conservatism, followers of Professor Leo Strauss from the University of Chicago. He's long ago passed, long since passed, but his famous students include the likes of Alan Bloom, Harry Jaffa, Walter Burns, many others. And what Leo Strauss tried to teach was that when you study something from history, when you study something from before you were alive, and it could be politics, history, you name it, take a person, understand them. The task should be to understand them as they understood themselves, not what you think they really meant, but what they thought they really meant. Radical idea. No, it is in the academy. It is in the academy. And thus you graft modern day politics and values onto things long ago past. You can end up distorting things, too. No one is telling you that that picture is a better picture. They're telling you it's a more important picture. It might, in fact, be the more distorted picture. I'll give you an example. This country wasn't founded in 1619. There's a pretty good example. They want to tell you it was. It just wasn't. They tried to tell you slavery was the main reason this country, protection of slavery was the main reason. This country was founded in 1776. Why did they tell you that at the New York Times? Because they wanted to, they wanted to place and input their political ideology on the men of 1776. It was called out by serious historians so starkly and so strongly that in the middle and dark of night, the editors at the New York Times changed it. So it didn't sound that strong, and they didn't tell anyone they changed it. I think it was Wilford Riley or someone like that discovered they did. When they're called out, they don't apologize in the light of day. They just self-correct in the cover of darkness to maintain a patina of credibility. That's what the progressives do. That's what the left does. Any revolutionary will tell you, and you find this as much in the uh, radical Islamic faith as you find it in Marxism, what Zudi calls the red-green axis or the green-red axis in that order. Islamism wedded to Marxism, the red-green axis, that it's okay to lie. It's okay to propagandize if it helps meet the ultimate goal. In Islamism, it's obviously theological. In Marxism, it's obviously the, um, I'm sorry, in Marxism, it's obviously the revolution of the proletariat. That's fine by them because any ends justify their means. What are our ends in this country? What are the ends in this country? What would, we, what would we consider just means to approach the ends this country tells itself it founded itself for? We're told in our Constitution, aren't we, in order to form a more perfect union, 
Our ends are to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. You cannot achieve any of those things if you lie your way through them. Ends don't justify those means because you'll never get your ends. Those ends do not lend themselves to achievement through fraud. They can only be achieved through truth, which is why we the people are the same we who hold these truths to be self-evident. More when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. If you'd like to join the conversation, Carrie's in Mesa. Hello, Carrie. Hi. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm doing all right. Thank you. Um, I, I wanted to call because you, you made a comment earlier, um, and I can't remember exactly, but you said something along the lines of, for people to kind of ignore the issues and everything that's going on right now is equivalent to someone being very sick with digestive issues, ignoring their illness. What um, I said was it, based on a quote from C.S. Lewis, to make everything political is the mark of a sick society, that we should think of politics in a healthy society the way a sick man uh, might think of medicine, something he needs to get through or digestion, something he needs to get through to get to more important things. Got it. Then I misunderstood that, but all the same, it is still very relevant um, because uh, I have to say I'm a veteran. Um, I served in Afghanistan twice, um, uh, 08, 09, and 10 through 11. I was a medic. Seeing the stuff on the TV and everything that's going on is extremely overwhelming for me. Um, and the, the everything that has been politicized, yes, is in your face all the time, everywhere you look. And it's at the point now that I, my eyes have been opened and I can't close them as to everything that's happening, but it has become so overwhelming in my life at the moment that um, it's, it's difficult to handle. So I misunderstood what you were saying, but, um, but yeah. It's okay. It's okay, first of all, Carrie, because you're bringing up a separate point, which is itself interesting, and I'd love to hear you out on it if you would like to make okay. that point. It's, it's its own important point. Go right ahead if you don't mind. Sure. Are you, are you talking about the situation in Afghanistan? Yeah, the situation in Afghanistan or what you thought I had said and you wanted to call it about. If I picked up on what, what you were, oh, you were no, thinking, it had to do no. with ignoring what's going on. But go ahead either way. No, no. Um, the, I, I misunderstood what was said, and that's what, okay. Um, I just I had a conversation with my mom just now, and she is a little worried about how upset and angry I am, and she kind of advised me to turn the news off. And mm -hmm. this was a conversation that literally just took place. So, um, but I, I have difficulty not watching it just because it is, I, I can't describe to you how upsetting it is to see not only the situation that they put our troops in, that we have left Americans behind, um, and then the the... The icing on the cake, an additional slap in the face, though, however, is when they call it a success. He gets on the TV and he calls it a success, and they dance around the direct questions um, saying, well, we've evacuated, you know, X number of people. It's the most in history. 
Um, and then even just him standing there checking his watch while they were removing the remains from the planes in front of family members, um, seeing the Taliban uh, running around with our equipment. Um, the I saw on Instagram the the Taliban kind of reenacting that famous photo from World War II. I saw that too. Boy, that turned my stomach. The Iwo Jima Mount. Absolutely mocking us. And then I saw another post, and I could not find it. I was trying to show my mom where um, it was text messages between a soldier that was over there and a friend of theirs, and they blocked out their names and everything, but saying that um, their general had canceled their flight until they cleaned up the airport and the the facilities um, for the Taliban. The toilets were overflowing. They said they were not given cleaning supplies. They were not given gloves. Let me let me put you on hold, Carrie, real quick, and do this ask ask this favor of you. You have a lot that's important that I want to hear. Uh, we have a rule about. It's not our rule. It's imposed by the FCC. There's only you. You can appreciate it. I hope so. Let me do this. Let me ask you to just hold and come back on the other side of this break. I mean, exceedingly interested in hearing the rest of what you have to say. Just we gotta we gotta abide by the the FCC on a few of these regulations. I hope you can appreciate that and understand that. But I do want to hear the rest of you. I want to thank you also in the interim for your service. So don't go away, Carrie. I want to come back on the other side. I just we just uh, aren't allowed to air some of the expletives that you um, were using, which I fully understand. I, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just complying with the law, and you'll appreciate that too. I know you will. Carrie, thank you for your service and thank you for your patience. Please do hold. I want to come back to you live on air in just a few moments after this quick commercial break. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Carrie is a veteran of uh, the wars in Afghanistan and uh, is in Mesa. Carrie, um, thank you for your um, your explanation of some of that, which you're going through, some of what your friends and colleagues have been going through. Um, talk to me a little bit more about what you're feeling when the president is – well, here, I mean, I was debating, do I want to make you happier or sadder? Listen to this from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the, the, this is not an op-ed. This is the front page. The U.S. now estimates it left behind the majority – of the Afghan interpreters and others who had applied for visas to flee Afghanistan, according to senior State Department officials, despite frantic efforts to evacuate those at risk of Taliban retribution in the final days of the airlift. So a couple hundred Americans, Carrie, and the majority of the Afghans who were helping us that were trying to get out. That's a new story. That's not what the president has been telling us. Um, either way, uh, whether it's true or they're kind of just saying that to make us feel better that we got more Americans out. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. way. Maybe, maybe they're trying to get us that position. Yeah. I'm, I can't even tell with the media anymore, like where they're going with it. Um, it's, it's horrible. My Um, biggest worry is that they won't. My biggest worry is that they'll drop it and next week it will be January 6th. All over, you know, it'll be January 6th, and I have a few suspicions of where the administration wants to go foreign policy-wise, too. But that's my biggest worry, is that the news won't talk about it after this week. Well, they're absolutely going to drop it, and no, they're not going to focus on it, because it's it's overwhelming um, how just 
uh, this signs. Everything that this administration has done so far that the left has let them get away with, that they don't cover in the news, they may mention it, but then just kind of go right on past it like it's not a big deal. Right. And they would crucify Trump over the tiniest little thing for mispronouncing a word, say. And then Biden is slurring through his speeches. Um, he can't uh, he can't focus. He can't he's not coherent half the time. Um, and then he just walks away when people try and ask him questions. And then as and does your secretary of state. As does your Secretary yeah. of State. This is this is but, but almost a, it's if it's not a rudderless country, it's a leaderless country. Exactly, and that's you know, I have said this to my family and friends that you know to the, to their credit, the left is accomplishing probably a lot of what they set out to do. Um, they should have chosen a better puppet than mm-hmm. Joe Biden, mm-hmm. um, so that way people, I guess, would be questioning him less. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, was that the best that you had? Because I think that everybody, at least now, knows that he is not running the country. You make a really um, good point. How did the establishment think this was going to work out? And it's almost um, as if the, the the Biden presidency, right? And it's almost as if they applied to the Biden presidency the same notions they applied to the evac- Afghanistan evacuation. Well, we'll just hope yeah. for the best. Exactly. And, you know, I think it was on I, I listened to the, the Patriot in my car and I drive a lot and I don't remember which show it was, but I believe it was on this station by somebody else that had said exactly that. Oh, that okay. They didn't really look too far into the future as far as Joe Biden's ability to uh, govern. They were just focused on getting into the White House and then kind of hope for the best after that. Like, we'll figure it out later. They also Um, don't take radical Islam seriously. They don't take the enemies of America seriously. And they don't take the success of America seriously. I mean, all of these things create a toxic confluence of progressivism, Carrie, that, you know, far be it for me to stand where you have, but to just say, you know, this country has it's made of better people and better men and women in the military than its leadership. Yeah, that's often been the case, country. but it's no more. It's never been more true than now. They have created an America where everything that was American is now considered wrong mm-hmm. or yep. racist yep. or uh, anti. I don't even know. It's. Yep. It, it's it's laughable um, sometimes, you know, just hearing them talk about certain things. But at the same time, it's very frightening because this is what um, our youth is learning. Well, Carrie, um, here's my biggest concern. I will tell you right now, listening to you, my biggest concern is that you don't become dejected, that you don't look at all this and say, what's the use? I want you active. I want you energized. I want you engaged. The worst thing that can happen is for you not to be engaged from here on out, especially given the view you've been given based on your experience. You have to um, stay engaged. Promise me. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if you're going to if you if you want to. I don't know what you are. You still active duty? I'm not. I've been out for um, about 10 years now. Um, To be honest with you, I just started like. Uh, nursing school. I was uh, just going to say school. somewhere in the helping or teaching professions, but whatever you do, oh, yeah, Carrie, absolutely. make sure you do it. Make sure you do it loud. We need to hear from you. Oh, I well, suspect you. you're right that most of the country 
thinks the way you and I do. I suspect you're right about that. I'm not sure. But I don't know that they say it. And I was listening to Dennis Prager earlier today saying that this country will change when conservatives are no longer in the closet. I did hear that. Yeah. He made a compelling point. You don't have to. I think you, you don't have to put a bumper sticker. You don't have to walk in and 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 spout RNC talking points. But when you hear a friend or someone else say something idiotic, be respectful and point out that you disagree. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's at a point where people are, even those that voted for Biden or were supportive of him. Um, you can't ignore what's going on. And so I think I think it makes it easier for people who are conservative or pro-Trump or right or Republican to speak out with less judgment um, and not as much as it was before, because it was almost like if you if you said the word Trump, you were deemed a racist Mm -hmm. or a hater or whatever. I, I think it's at a point now where people can not even read between the lines. It's blatantly obvious. Um, how how bad this administration is and everything that they're handling sure. or not handling. Sure. They, they use the word tyrant, fascist, and evil for fellow Americans. So when they were faced with true tyranny and true evil, as you faced it in Afghanistan, they didn't understand it. To them, evil and wrong was Trump and Republicans and, and, and half of America. This is the problem with syntax saturation. This is the problem with overusing words we apply to our enemies, to our fellow Americans. This is how you get a civil war. Carrie, you and I will stay on this, and I encourage you to to teach and sometimes use words, but teach. You have a lot to teach everyone here, and uh, you won't ignore what's going on. I won't. I'll do it with your help call back. Good luck with nursing school. More importantly, thank you for your service and your call. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Doug's in Maricopa. Hi, Doug. Doug, are you there? Going once. Are you on mute, perhaps? Yep, I'm there here. There you I, go. I Hi. My, I did my standard put myself on mute kind of That's thing. That's okay. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. How, yeah. how are you? Uh, well, I'm I'm doing great, and, and by the sounds of your show, it's powerful and compelling as usual. Thank you. And uh, I wanted to kind of take off of, is it uh, the last caller, Carrie? Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. her name? Mm-hmm. Well, my heart goes out to her, and... Uh, it's both soldiers and Americans were lied to, and we, you and I, um, are offended by the lie. Imagine if you were a soldier yeah. in that theater, like Carrie, yeah. what it means, right? Uh, oh, 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 totally! It just breaks your heart. But yeah. my son was medically retired from wounds he got in Iraq, uh-huh. and he went through a very similar thing under Obama mm-hmm. when when they bailed out of there. And then there was a caliphate that basically consumed Iraq until uh, Trump came in and drove it back. But it was everything that could go wrong did. The rules of engagement were such that several times during a firefight, 
they were not allowed to shoot. What the enemy would do would literally fight them, kill some of their friends, and when they finally were cornered, they dropped. Oh, Obama had the rules of engagement where if the enemy dropped its weapons, when they knew they were going to be captured, they dropped their weapons. You weren't allowed to shoot or, mm-hmm. you know. And they knew the enemy, those same people, would be back to kill them again the next day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was insanity and butchery. And it, 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 it hurts as a parent to know your son is, you know, ends up being through a series of whether a helicopter crash or other events in battle that he was medically retired, 80, 80% disabled, you know. Um, we just do so not learn. It, we just don't learn. No, Barry Goldwater no, no. said about the rules of engagement he learned about in Vietnam, quote, these layers of restrictions which were constantly changing and were almost impossible to memorize or understand granted huge sanctuary to the enemy, close quote. Yeah, and, and, and what... what it broke his heart because many times they would be watching the the left analysis of what they were doing in Iraq. But he said we were getting our intel from the people on the street. They were so they they thought we were God. Mm-hmm. They loved us, but sure. then we betrayed them. Of course, and bailed out. You bet. You know, and and we're doing it again. You, I, you know, I, but I would tell her the same thing that you said because you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I would tell Carrie that use that anger. You should be angry, and if you aren't angry, uh, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the anger has to be focused on what to do. Yep. Yep. And I, I hope every day that we conservatives stop being nice. Yep. When you lose something, don't lose the lesson. We may have been too nice. That's a lesson. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.